This morning, I'm actually going to preach somewhere. I don't know that I have ever preached from here as a starting point. I've certainly used some of the scriptures and, and references, and I'm still on the Pentecostal Wind series. I'm going to be on it until June 5th. Until June 5th, every time I'm up here on a Sunday preaching, it's going to be something related to the Holy Spirit. I've already got them all planned out. Why June 5th, you ask? Because it's Pentecost Sunday. So I'm going to preach the Holy Spirit until we get to the Holy Spirit. Now let's hope we've got the Holy Ghost good and full by the time we get to Pentecost Sunday. And if not, let's pray He pours out then. All right, anyway, let's go to Haggai chapter 2 this morning, verses 4 through 9. And if you want to read off the screen, that's fine, or your paper Bible, but as you find that, if you would stand. Haggai chapter 2, verses 4 through 9, and that's in the Minor Prophets, the book of the Twelve. Just go to Matthew and start flipping back a few pages, you'll find it. It says, Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, saith the Lord, and be strong, O Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest. And be strong, all ye people of the land, saith the Lord. And work, for I am with you, saith the Lord of hosts. According to the word that I have covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remaineth among you, fear ye not. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, yet once it is a little while, and I will shake the heavens and the earth, and the sea and the dry land. And I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations shall come, and I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former, saith the Lord of hosts. And in this place will I give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning. God, and counted a privilege and honor to share your word. Lord, I pray simply this morning that you would anoint me to bring forth what you have laid upon my heart. And God, that every person in this place would be anointed to hear what the Spirit is saying in these days and times. Lord, let us glorify and honor you in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. I like to say this is still part of the, the Pentecostal uh, wind series and, and really centering on, on verse 5 because in verse 5 he said, According to the word that I covenanted with you when you come out of Egypt, so my spirit, the spirit of the Lord, remaineth among you. And that's actually the title to this morning. Some of you may have seen it when I put out the information on Facebook. Is the spirit remains. And then I put a subtitle of the Spirit to Rebuild. And I believe that that is partly where we are at, but I want to, to talk about a few things first. You know, the Spirit of God does remain with His people to see His work accomplished. Specifically, His work is accomplished, I believe, in rebuilding a community and also in a physical building in which to worship as community. Now, I have preached and I have said, but I'm going to reiterate this morning, that I believe it is time we get past some of this new thinking that we have that has uh, crept into the church and has 
hurt our, uh, really has hurt us spiritually. I don't need the church. I can worship at home. I'm a Christian. I don't need to go to church. Well, let me tell you something. If you don't think you need to go to church, but yet you claim to be a Christian, then you are also a liar and your father is of lies. Why do I say that? Because the Word of God says that forsake not the assembling of yourself. The Word says iron sharpeneth iron. The Word over and over declares to us that we are to gather together for feast, that we are to gather together for community worship. And if you claim to to be a Christian, but yet you say, I don't need the church and I don't need to gather together, that tells me you have not read the Word of God. So we need to get past some of this new thinking because that is definitely new thinking that has crept into the church. There was a time, even within my lifetime, I'm 47, and I well remember even through my 20s and into my early 30s that it was good and proper to go to the church house. But now, over the past 10, 15 years, oh, only God can judge me. I'm a Christian, but I don't need to go to church. We need to get rid of those things. If we want the Spirit to remain among us and we want to be able to rebuild something to which the glory of this house is greater than the glory of the former, then we have to get rid of some new thinking and we have to get to a biblical understanding of what God wants of us. God knows my heart. Yeah, I know He knows your heart. That might be the problem for you. Your fruit shows that you don't read His Word, that you don't fear Him as God, that you don't respect Him as Lord. That shows in that we fail to follow what is set forth in His Word. Matter of fact, they asked Jesus, "What are the you know what com- what commandments do we need to follow? What's the greatest commandments?" He said, "There's two greatest commandments: love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, and soul." If you're not reading the Word, then you don't love Him. You've already failed commandment number one, and He knows your heart. Now the other is like unto the first: love your neighbor. As yourself. Now, if you're not the hands and feet of Jesus Christ, yes, I know the church has to get outside of these four walls. I understand that. I'm not saying that we need to bring ourselves in and we need to lock ourselves away and we need to be some kind of crazy commune where we don't communicate with others. We have to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ and we have to go out and we have to show love. We have to provide coats. We have to provide food. That's biblical. He said, what good does it do if they say they're hungry and all you do is say, I'm going to pray. He says you need to put food in their mouth. If they're cold, what good does it say to the, I'm going to go pray for you? No, if you've got a coat, you need to share it with them. That's right, and that's biblical. We need to be the hands and feet. But you have to love God first, and then you also have to love others. We need to get rid of the cute sayings that was coined, obviously, by someone who puts the Bible on the same shelf as Moby Dick and don't know one from the other. My guess would be they've read neither. But let me move on before I get in trouble. Today, I want to serve as a reminder, both to you, the people of God that are in His house, and I also want to remind God of what has been prophesied and said. I think sometimes our most effective prayers are when we remind God of His Word. 
God, your word says you want all people to be saved. You wish that none would perish, that all would come to a knowledge of truth. Your word says that you will bless us. If we give, you'll give back good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. I think our greatest blessings come when we remind God of what he has already promised us and we live to fulfill our end. This morning, I want to remind the local church, I want to remind the church at large, and I want to remind God of what has been said because I believe we are entering a season where we can recapture, if you will, some of that glory that was before. And I don't particularly want to recapture what was yesterday. I'm looking for a fresh outpouring and a fresh anointing, and I believe that we can walk into that if we only walk in the Spirit and if we reach for what God has for us. And I want this morning to serve as a reminder of that. Because you see, time and again, I've heard it spoken both locally, I've heard it spoken in camp meetings and prayer conferences about how West Virginia would be the center of a great revival, of a great outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Well, as of yet, I have seen bits and pieces of it. I have seen foreshadowing, but still, by and large, what I am seeing is places that are largely empty or half empty. I know we had a pandemic. I know we had these other things, but by and large, churches are declining. And I'm not talking about just Church of God or any particular denomination. Just in general, church attendance is declining across the board. Yes, even in West Virginia. So I want to remind God and I want to remind the church that that is not what has been spoken, that is not what has been promised, that we've got something better to reach for than what we look around and see in our current circumstances. It's been said several ways by many ministers, but the core remains the same, is that we need to look for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit on all flesh. Now, I've also heard since I've been here that things have been prophesied about Mill Creek Church of God, about the pews returning to full is one specifically that I've heard. Michael Ball come in and he told us that God would expand our territory. Now, you know, right after that, within a year of him saying that, guess what happened? We were able to complete purchase of the land right adjacent to us. So I believe that we have partly seen some of this come to pass. Last Easter, we were almost full in here. We had over 100 in here on Easter. District service, we had over 100 in here Sunday night, and we absolutely had church last Sunday night. So I believe we're seeing bits and pieces. I believe God is trying to show us that His Spirit does still move, that His Spirit does still pour out. And there are people that will come into the church house. But you need to remember that these are things that He has promised. And if we will remind Him and if we will live as He has told us and we will remind ourselves that our current circumstances is not the end result, but we've got something greater to reach to, I think we will be in good shape. In other words, for years, both local and state, it has been prophesied and spoken that there are good things ahead, that there are great things ahead in the Lord. Some of you have had things spoken into your own lives individually that you are waiting for to be fulfilled. 
This morning I want you to understand, just hold on. Because God's time is not our time. God's time is not our time. Why do I remind you of this? Because Haggai was in a very similar situation. You see, if you go back to Ezra 6 and 3, it says that in the first year of Cyrus the king, the same Cyrus the king made a decree concerning the house of God at Jerusalem. Let the house be builded, the place where they offered sacrifices, and let the foundations thereof be strongly laid. You see, he was speaking to a group of Jews that were returning out of exile. They had been exiled. The temple had been destroyed. They no longer had a central place of worship. Cyrus was speaking to them in 538. This was about 48 years after the temple was destroyed. They had spent almost 50 years without a place to centrally worship. Then finally the ruler of the land decrees to them that you can go and you can rebuild this place of worship that you have so desperately longed for, that you have missed in your religion. He told them that in 538. Yet some 18 years later in 520, the work was still not completed. So you've got almost 50 years, 48 years from the temple falling till they get the, the order that they are allowed to rebuild. Then you get another 18 years on top of that. And Ezra 5, 14 through 16 says, The vessels also of gold and silver of the house of God, which Nebuchadnezzar took out of the temple that was in Jerusalem, brought them into the temple of Babylon. Those did Cyrus the king take out of the temple of Babylon, and they were delivered unto one whose name was Sheshbazar, whom he had made governor. And he said unto him, Take these vessels, go, carry them into the temple that is in Jerusalem, and let the house of God be builded in his place. Then came the same Sheshbazar, and laid the foundation of the house of God, which is in Jerusalem. And since that time, even until now, hath it been in building, and yet it is not finished. Haggai comes along at this point. After 48 years without temple worship, after 18 years of a decree that this house needs to be rebuilt and still the work is not done, then all of a sudden Haggai comes along. And you know, Haggai, we look at these people in the Bible and we look at the books of the Bible and they carry great, they cover great spans of time. You know, Haggai barely covers three months and three weeks. That's the entirety of the ministry of Haggai, is three months and three weeks. How do I know? In Haggai 1 and 1, it says it's the sixth month, the first day of the month. If you go over to 2.18, it's the same year, the 4 and 20th day of the ninth month. So he goes from 6.1 to 9.24. That's it. That's it. That's the entirety of the ministry of Haggai. But yet, do you know that his short ministry impacted the next 500 years of church life? 
And, and we might even get more specific than that, that his three months and three weeks worth of work impacted the church at probably the most critical time that the Old Testament people seen. Because you understand when Malachi come along, and Malachi give his prophecies, and he spoke, that was the last voice until Jesus Christ showed up on earth. They went through 400 years of silence in something that Haggai spurred on. They were able to go through silence and still being able to go into the temple and worship. 500 years for three months worth of work. Don't look around today and worry about your current circumstances or whether it's too quick or too long or whatever's going on. See, we tend to look at things with very physical eyes. We don't tend to look at things through a spiritual eye. But we are very much in a situation where Haggai was at, I do believe, in that I don't know that we how long we were going to be able to do whatever. We have pastors that come and go. We have church members that come and go. But don't ever discount the work that is being done in a place because God has put churches in place not for this particular moment but to serve for a length of time, to be a beacon to a community, to be able to be a place where people can come in and encounter the Holy Holy Ghost, not just for you, not just for your family, but it might be for someone 500 years from now. We've got churches that I know that there is no one that was in that original church still goes there because the churches are just simply too old at this point. But yet the church still stands, the church is still doing the work based upon a short-term ministry of someone years ago. And not only that, Haggai was encountering a people that had been in exile. My Lord, don't we feel like the church has been in exile almost? We were locked up into our houses. Everybody had to go to online. We fight the world. We fight technology. We fight laziness. Because sometimes we just need to call it what it is. You just don't want to get out of bed. And you know, sometimes it probably feels like we don't have enough people to accomplish the work. Sometimes it feels like we cannot do what we need to get done because we don't have enough people. Well, Haggai encountered the same thing. Ezra encountered the same thing because not everybody had returned from exile. But yet Haggai come into a place where they did not have enough people, perhaps, where people had become apathetic, they had become lazy. They were worried about their self more than they were worried about the kingdom of God. I know that because Haggai said, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses? And this house lie waste. Now, therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. You want to know what happened to them when they worried about their own instead of worrying about the house of God first? It says they sown much, but they brought in little. This ain't Steve telling you this. Go read Haggai chapter 1. It says you sow much and you bring in little. You eat, but you're not full. You don't have enough. You drink, but you're not filled up with drink. You put clothes on on this nice cold morning. You wrap up with a big coat and you have a long sleeve shirt on, you got an undershirt on, you got long handles on, you got your britches on, and you walk out and you got clothes on and you're still not warm. 
That's what it says in the Word. You eat not, but you have not enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe you, but there is none warm. You know, some people would look at me like I'm silly. Well, that don't make any difference of whether you take God first or you don't. It says right there that they did not put God first, and they couldn't even get warm when they had what they thought they needed. It says right there that they had all the food that they could stuff in their fat guts, but they couldn't get full. They had all the drink that they could shove into their mouths, but still, at the end of the day, they were still thirsty. Yeah, I know I'm too plain spoken sometimes. He that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes. You know what happens if you don't pay attention? You get one of these little bags, and as you go through, people stowing money into it, and it's got a hole, and it just falls out the bottom. The robber can come right behind you and steal it all. You look for much, and lo, it came to little. Here's what I want to tell you this morning. It's been decreed, and it's been prophesied time after time that West Virginia would be a center of revival, that this church could be seen with the pews full, that God still will pour out upon His people. What I'm telling you this morning is it is time to work. That's what the Word says, is that you need to work. Be strong, all ye people of the land, saith the Lord, and work. Why do you need to work? We look around in the world and the statistics tell us that it is never going to happen. That you cannot reverse the course of history. I'm not trying to reverse the course of history, and I'm not worried about statistics. History is already written out. I've already read the end of the book. I know what happens. This world gets destroyed, and we have a new heaven and a new earth, and there's a new city that comes down out of heaven called New Jerusalem, and we're going to be able to walk through gates of pearl that are never going to have to be shut because there's no more murder going on there's no more drugs being taken there's nothing that's going to come in and harm us and even if it could come in it couldn't harm us because there is a God there that we are going to be bowed down in front of that is all powerful and all knowing and he can protect us from everything I don't need to hear the world tell me what can and cannot be done what I need to do is get a group of people that are willing to look at God and know that he is God to know that he can do what the world says can't be done to know that his spirit is still among us to know that he still loves us to know that he still wants our families to be saved to know that he can still heal the blind that he can still make the lame to rise up and walk that he can still make the deaf to hear and the dumb speak to know that his blood still covers the sins of the sinner But see, here's what we do, and here's why this message this morning. You know what we do? We look at the sin of the world more than the Spirit of God. Now, it didn't say to do that. It said that His Spirit remains, fear not. But then if you go on a little bit more, it says He's the one that will shake the world and bring it into His glory. 
What we do is we go try to shake the world and bring them into His glory. Do you see that that don't work? That's not what God said would happen. He said that He would shake the rulers and the towns and the cities and the people, and He will make Himself. known. we are just to reflect His love. But what we do, and I'm guilty, we're all guilty, don't pretend that you're not, We'll get down and we'll pray for someone. God, you need to deliver them from homosexuality. No, stop. Quit praying that. Quit praying for them to be delivered from drugs. Listen to why I'm telling you this. Because they can get delivered from homosexuality and still die and go to a devil's hell. They can get delivered from drugs and they can still die and go to a devil's hell. I don't care what condition they're in. I don't care what state they're in. I don't care what their sins are right now. But what I know to know to know to be true is that the Holy Ghost is the one that can deliver them He's the one that can shake them. He's the one that can move them. Everything I do for them is going to be for naught. And if everything that is outward is taken away and their heart is not renewed, they still die and go to hell. But I feel good because they got delivered from something. Hmm. We spend more time praying about abortion, sexual sins, drugs, than we do just simply getting down and saying, God, save them. God, save their soul. No, we get down, oh God, you need to deliver them from this. I don't care if they're delivered. The Holy Ghost will take care of that if they have the blood of Jesus Christ applied to their life. We need to quit worrying about what's on the outward part of our family, of our friends, of our communities. And what we need to start doing is praying just what Ezekiel said would happen, is that a heart of stone would be taken out and a heart of flesh would be put in. We need to start praying for the heart and soul of people instead of their fruits. We're not their Savior. We didn't shed one drop of blood for one sinner out there. Not one drop. The Holy Spirit is still here. The Word says that my Spirit remaineth among you. It means it come once and it's still here. It wasn't something new when Jesus Christ was born. It wasn't something new at the baptism. It wasn't something new in the upper room. Here it goes back as far as when they were in bondage in Egypt. And it remains. It came once and it has never, ever left. When God said He would not leave us nor forsake us, it is His Spirit that remains with us and can help us move forward. We hear people today telling us about a great falling away. Oh, we know churches have got to be empty in these days because there's a great falling away at the end of times, and we're surely at the end of times. Look, we've been at the end of times since Jesus Christ hung on a cross. 
Paul was looking for the return of Christ in his day. Peter was looking for the return of Christ in his day. Peter was looking for the return of Jesus Christ when he stepped out on the day of Pentecost and preached, and 3,000 people were added to the church in one day. Peter still believed that they were in the end times, and he still added 3,000. Why can we not do the same? Are there 3,000 people in Logan County? Are there 3,000 people within a 20-minute drive of this church? then why can we not do the same? Why? Because we keep looking at fruit. Why? Because we keep looking at ways and methods and means. Why? Because we are not looking to the Holy Spirit which remaineth here with us. We want it our way. We want it now. We don't want to change what mommy and daddy done. We don't want to change what grandma and grandpa done. We want to build it back the same way as this. Well, guess what? They were there. They were trying to rebuild. And God said that don't worry about the old because this new is going to have more glory in it. We keep trying to do the same thing the same way. And even God himself changed what was to be done. He don't change, but he changes the ways and the methods to get things accomplished. But we want to talk about a great falling away. What I want to talk about is a great outpouring. You know what text Peter preached or one of them that he preached when he stepped out? It was Joel 2, 28 and 29. It shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your old men shall dream dreams your young men shall see visions and also upon the servants and upon the handmaids it doesn't matter whether you're high or low on the social scale it doesn't matter whether you're young or old it doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor it doesn't matter anything about anything other than I still believe that the spout of the Holy Ghost is open and pouring out and all we have to do is get into the flow and when we do, we can see great and miraculous things happen. Now, Haggai presents one singular question, and it's a question I'm going to give to you today. Haggai looked, and he said, how can we rebuild a torn-down temple? That was the only reason Haggai was there. That was the only question he had. He said, how can we Rebuild a devastated temple. This morning I have the same question for you. How can we rebuild or repackage or whatever you want to call it the church today to impact society? Haggai seen it happen in two ways. The power of the Spirit and the providence and blessing of God. That's the two things you need to remember today. If we want to rebuild, it is the Spirit that rebuilds. In other words, the power of the Spirit. And it is the providence of God. The power of the Spirit means that manpower is going to fail us time and time again. Man-made wisdom is going to fail us time and time again. There are certain things that we are predisposed to do, that we like to do, that we've seen done before. This worked for someone else, and maybe it'll work for me. All of these things, time and again, that will fail. 
But understand that Zechariah was around at the building of the temple also. And what Zechariah had to say was this. He said, Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, the same one that Haggai was talking to. He says, Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. There is nothing that we can do outside of the power of the Holy Ghost. And if we will just tune our ears, and matter of fact, if we will follow what Luke recorded. You see, it says, And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, which is the Holy Ghost. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. If we don't want the church to die, if we don't want things to go downhill, what we have to do is we have to get to a place where we know that the Spirit remains right here. We need to come up and we need to get right here and we need to tarry and we need to wait until every one of you in here is endued with power from on high because when you get endued with power from on high you understand it's not your way and your wisdom but what you will do you will go back out like jeremiah and you will have something in in you like fire shut up in your bones and you won't be able to shut up about jesus and you'll start holding you a little bible study and then you'll bring those people into the church house you'll start telling your hairdresser about what God has done for you, then they'll come into the church house. And the more people we have that will just get on fire with the fire of the Holy Ghost, the better off we will be. Haggai understood that. He recorded the words of God that says, My spirit remains. It is not departed from you. The same spirit that built up the church of God from eight people in 1886 on August 19th in the backwoods foothills of the Unicoi Mountains to over 7 million members today is the same spirit that is here can take us from 7 million to 14, 15, 20 million, whatever. The spirit has not changed. But we need to understand it is the Spirit because the Lord of hosts says in Haggai 2, 6, and 7 that yet once it is a little while and I, God, is talking. He says, I will shake the heavens, the earth, the sea, the dry land. I will shake the nations. And he will even shake the desire of all nations. And I... God speaking, will fill this house with glory. So it is the power of the Spirit that will carry us to where we need to be, not us. We need to quit going out and shaking people. We need to start going out and praying that God would save their soul. We need to quit trying to build us up, and we need to start building God up. We need to understand that the Spirit is still here, and if He saved me, He can save anybody. But we also need to understand that there is a providence from God. We will look within ourselves. We can't do that. We can't afford that. We don't have enough people for that. We, don't, we always find an excuse not to. Now, don't get me wrong. I know that we need to be good stewards of what God has blessed us with. As a church, we need to be good stewards, and as individuals, we need to be good stewards. Luke 14 says, For which of you intending to build a tower, setteth not down first, and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient 
to finish it. Lest happily after he laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying the man began to build and was not able to finish. But see, we will sit down and we'll count the cost, and what we never do is count in the providence of God. We never count in the blessings of God. We never count in the power of the Spirit. We sit down and we find impossibilities instead of possibilities. We sit down and we look at our here and now circumstance instead of the impact 500 years out. We only look, well, this church will serve me until I'm dead and gone. Then I don't have to worry about it. No, then you've got to answer for it. We look at our ability instead of God's ability. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. Can I tell you, God owns it all. There's not one thing outside of the control and hand of God. He has promised it. He has prophesied it. He has spoken through His messengers. Just like with Haggai, there was a decree that the temple should be rebuilt. God has said that it, its latter glory shall be greater than its former, but He also said it's time to work. But he also made a promise in here, too. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former, saith the Lord of hosts, and, and. You see, when we do the work of the Lord, when we count the cost, including what He is able to do, when we walk in the power of the Spirit, and we quit laying 48 years of excuses at the altar, and saying, God, I can't do it because of this. We're reminding him of our failures. We lay our 18 years of unfinished work after the decree was made on the altar in front of God and say, God, look here, we tried, but we just couldn't get it done. But what we need to bring and lay on the altar is, God, you have said, you have promised us that we will be rebuilt. You have promised us in your word and through your prophets in your word and through your messengers that you have sent to us today that there will be an outpouring of the Spirit. God, I don't care about what happened yesterday. I don't care about the 48 years that failed. I don't care about the 18 years that failed. God, you promised. You told me that the glory of this latter house shall be greater than that of the former. God, you promised me my daughter was coming home. God, you promised me my son was coming home. God, you promised me my spouse is coming in. God, you promised. God, you promised. Lay that on the altar in front of him. And what he says is when we do these things that we are supposed to do, that in this place, not yesterday, not tomorrow in heaven, but in this place right here will I give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. And I tell you, the personal presence of the Lord will encourage you. It will give you determination. But can I tell you that it will also 
give you conviction. And I'm not talking about conviction of sin. I know that happens too. But I'm wanting to tell you this morning, if you will get into the presence of the Lord, it will give you courage, determination, and conviction that His promises will not fail. According to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remaineth among you. Fear ye not. The Spirit remains this morning. God has never failed and He absolutely will not fail. If it was spoken truly by Him, it will come to pass. Now I have to believe that the prophecies about here are true because we're already starting to see some of it come to pass. They couldn't have come to pass had we not got that land. That's already happened. It's already done. God is already working to fulfill what He has promised. But what I need is a group of people that will work. I need a group of people that will get into the presence of the Lord so that He can give you courage and determination and conviction that His plans will not fail. So my altar call this morning is exactly that simple. First and foremost, if you have not submitted your life to Christ, then you need to come and do that. You can say whatever you want, but do your fruits match? And if they don't, you can fix it at the altar. You can come and submit your life to Christ, and He will, he will accept you and justify you before the Father. Now for everyone else, if you need prayer, certainly come and grab me. But for everyone else, I just want you to simply come and seek out to be in the presence of the Lord so that He can give everyone in here courage and determination and conviction to chase what He has laid before us. The altars are open.